Conrad season, I'm going to be talking to German surfer Leon Glatzer. We'll be chatting about his time growing up in Costa Rica and surfing the perfect point of Pavonis and his recent qualification for the Olympic Games in Tokyo. Hope you guys enjoy. Leon, thanks for coming on the show, man. It's great to, great to have you here. Uh, congratulations on the recent qualification for the Olympic Games. How are you doing? How are you feeling? Yeah, well, thank you guys, first of all, for, for having me. And yeah, I'm feeling off the moon at the moment. You know, it's been almost uh, two weeks after I qualified. And I'm here in France at the moment, but I'm feeling amazing. You know, every day I, I, I still wake up and I can't believe it. So I hope uh, this feeling stays for a long time. But yeah, I'm feeling good. <laughs> nice, man. And I'd love to kind of jump back into the Olympic journey, how it all started. And yeah, obviously, like, like talk about the qualification. Um, but if it's okay with you, like, it'd be great to to go back to the beginning and where it all started because you're uh you were born over in, in maui is that right in, in hawaii yeah correct it's actually a a pretty crazy story so um, my parents both of my parents and my whole family is from germany they moved to hawaii um three years before i was born and they were living there for some time and yeah then i was born in maui hawaii two years later uh, my mom decided to to take a trip to to Costa Rica and she basically just fell in love with that place and she told herself that's that's where she wants to spend the rest of her life and that I grow up in in that environment and yeah my mom used to be a, a model before so she was always traveling the world and having like a crazy life pretty much like I have and she was just kind of over the big cities and she just wanted to find a nice little place where she could learn surfing and also, you know, grow her garden and just be happy. And yeah, she found it. She found Costa Rica and that's where it all kind of started. I, I started surfing at a very young age. Um, she also started surfing. So we both kind of started at the same time. It was pretty funny. And yeah, slowly I had my first little board. It was like, I think a board that had no nose was completely chopped off and we found it on the beach and we fixed it. And that's where it all it all started in, in Pavonis. And when your mom decided to go to Costa Rica, was that kind of like primarily, I guess, for the for the lifestyle and to and to learn how to surf? Yeah, exactly. I mean, what she told me was that she was just like over all the you know, she used to model and she was just over like all the big cities and, and the photographers and everything. She was just, she had enough of it and she didn't want to go back to Germany and live there. So her dream was to find a really quiet uh, place in, yeah, wherever in the world. But she found Costa Rica, which I'm really happy she found that place because it's <laughs> awesome there. So, so yeah, and she's been, I mean, we've been living there since, since a very young age. And where did you where did you decide to 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 go in in Costa Rica? Were you looking at different places and different sort of coastal yeah. towns before Pavonis, or did you kind of go? She found Pavonis, and she was like, "Okay, this is the spot." Well, yeah, I was I was two years old, so I don't remember anything, right? But um, my mom first went to a beach called Nosada. It's in the north of of Pavonis. I mean, the north of Costa Rica. Sorry. So basically, you have Nosara, which is the very northern part of Costa Rica and Pavones is the south and she lived there for a couple months 
and then she well she fell in love with uh with my stepdad and he took her to see Pavonis and then she was like wow okay this is where I'm gonna stay and she bought a property there and they both started um building a little house little by little so that's where she ended up <laughs> in the southern part of Costa Rica Nice man. I, I was over there about six years ago. I was in, uh, on, on my honeymoon, and we travelled through the whole of Central America. And yeah, I was lucky enough to uh, to get a swell down in Pavones. And yeah, that that place is is just heaven, man. I mean, when, when it's working and like w- when the points on, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, how was it? How was it growing up there? I mean, so so were you you actually learned to surf in Pavones? And yeah, I mean. Growing up there, now looking back, it's 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 amazing, you know. Like you have so much freedom there since since a very young age. I was like I don't know four or five, and I could just walk around town with all my buddies. And my mom would just when she didn't see me for a couple hours, she'd just come search for me, and she would know exactly where I was, or or I was playing soccer, or, or in the water with my little buddies on the boogie boards. So it was there was definitely a lot of freedom and yeah, it was, it was basically like, you're just living life at the moment, you know? Yeah. And also you have one of the most amazing waves right at your doorstep. So learning to surf was, was very easy. But when I turned nine years old, my stepdad and my mom, they came to a decision where they wanted me to study you know, to get to into school because in Pavonis you only had public schools and, you know, they're not that good for, for education. So we moved actually back to the city, to San Jose, the capital of Costa Rica. Mm-hmm. And basically I was, I was very bummed. You know, I remember I was so sad, like, why are we leaving? Like, <laughs> you know, are we leaving the beach? And yeah, so they, they decided for me to go to school and then I, we, we would go to Pavonis only for long vacations or maybe a weekend here and there but really i think i would surf or spend time in the beach maybe three months or four months out of the year that was it that was that was like you know so and then when i turned four thirteen, going into 14 i'll never forget this day my mom um came into the school and she was like hey leon grab your stuff we're we're leaving to the beach and I was like, what do you mean? Like, it's not even the weekend. It's like, no, no, we're, we're moving to the beach. I'm over it. And I was like, all right. And the teacher <laughs> was like, what's, what's going on? What's going on? And she was like, just Leon, leave your stuff there and get in the car. And I was like, all right, let's go, you know? <laughs> and basically we walked to the parking lot and it was true. Like the whole car was completely packed. Like there was no space for anything. Boards on top pillows in the back suitcases everything there's this little space for me and my my brother was one year old and he was just in the car too looking at me like he had no idea what was going on obviously <laughs> and we made our way down to Pavonis and that's where it all really started you know I was so hungry to surf because I remember in school I would always bring magazines of surfing and I would read them or have you know little clips on the on the computer and yeah, that's when it, then that's when my surfing career really started, you know, and I really, I was so hungry just to, to get it going. And in, in San Jose, in, in the city, it's a couple of hours from, from any kind of decent surf, right? So like Hako and like Amosa, so it's not like you can kind of just go like 
you, you couldn't go during the week. You kind of you, you were you were locked in into the city. Is that right? Yeah, uh, totally. And obviously, you know, um, let's say from San Jose to Hako before it was like a two two and a half hour drive because of the roads. Now there's a new road which it takes only like hour and hour and a half. But still, yeah. it was like you would go on a, like on the weekends. We always had stuff to do or there was always events or birthday parties or whatever you know and it's like kind of like the city life there was always an event on the weekend so yeah when we go on a weekend it was very rare it was i don't know not much mostly on vacations yeah and and you were you were going to a german school over in the city yeah i started going to a german school for two years and then i went to an american school for the last couple of years Oh, cool, man. So, so were you yeah. then brought up speaking, <laughs> speaking Spanish because you're in Costa Rica, speaking English and then speaking German? Were, were you speaking German at home? or? Yeah, well, Spanish, basically, I never learned it in school. That, that comes more from the hoods okay. <laughs> with all the boys in town, you know? Yeah. Oh, so, yeah, but English was my, I was primarily learning in English and then German just came, you know, speaking with my mother or with my grandma, my grandpa. But I don't have the chance to speak it that much because usually I'm always on the road with, you know, with the QS guys and we all speak English or Spanish. So yeah. when I get a chance to, to speak German, I definitely take it. But it's, yeah, sometimes it's challenging, but it's okay. You know, a week or two weeks of, of babbling in German, it, it comes to me really fast. <laughs> nice, man. So then, so when you then decided to make that move down to Pavonis with your mom, you were 13, and that whole sort of relief of being able to then get in the water every day and sort of be out on the surf, do, like doing what you love. When did you start looking into, like, like, like when did you get sponsored? How, how, did, how early did that begin? Yeah. Um, so when I started surfing there, Obviously, I would still do school. You know, I had a homeschool uh, mm-hmm. three to four hours a day and an hour of homework. But yeah, basically, I was surfing without looking for any sponsors. Like at that time, I just wanted to surf, surf, or I wasn't like, wow, it would be so cool to get sponsored. You know, I was just so in love with the sport and so passionate about it that I just wanted to spend hours and hours in the ocean. And my mom would get super mad because. I wouldn't eat or drink water or anything. And usually after two weeks of surfing, I'll get completely sick of dehydration or something. And one time, um, I don't know, I can't remember who it was, but somebody filmed me on a wave. It was like my first video clip that went online on YouTube, right? And I kind of did like a little air, then an air reverse, and then into a corrupt flip straight away. And my mom was there like cheering, like, Ooh, you know? And that video went on on YouTube and kind of like the word was getting around, you know, oh, look at this German surfer. Look at this German surfer. He's the new Gabriel Medina just doing airs or, or whatever they were saying. And then um, Thomas Lang, which um, used to be a really good, a really good German surfer. He was actually the first German surfer to be on Red Bull long, long time ago. And he put me in contact with Quirin. Um, which is my team manager at the moment and has been my team manager since the age of 14. So that's where it all kind of started. And he came up to my mom and Thomas and was like, Hey, 
I heard your kid is German and I think uh, we, we could, I could work with him and get him some sponsors. And I was just like, what sponsors? Like, really? <laughs> okay. Did he, did he go out to see you in, in, in Costa Rica? He, he, he went to visit Sorry? you guys or did, did he go and visit you guys over in Pavonas and yeah, he came a couple of years later, I think two years later or something, but it happened, you know, through email and phone calls. And then he was like, Hey, I got my, like a week later, two weeks later, it's like, I got five offers. He told my mom, I got five offers for your kid. And she's like, really? Like, what do you mean? He's like, yeah, you know, there's Billabong, there's Quicksilver, Volcom at that time there was Nike 2.0 and you know, they all kind of want to sponsor you or, or start something. And then basically he was like, choose one. And I was just like, no way I can just choose one. And I was like freaking out. I couldn't believe it. And yeah. And we came to a final decision that uh, Volcom would be the best fit for me because of the Volcom house they have in Hawaii. And at the moment they had a Volcom house in France mm -hmm. and I really loved the brand. You know, I was a big fan of, of Volcom since a little kid. And still am <laughs> so so yeah that's where it all started and was that just then from from that video was it just from that one video or were you then doing more clips and kind of then like sending them off to all the different brands and... yeah yeah it all started with that video and then obviously you know i got a couple clips and send it to queer and like after that like straight away we got a filmer and it's like hey film yeah. leon and then after that, also, he contacted the the German Surf Federation to go to the ISA Worlds, which was right around the corner after that video kind of got uploaded. It was a couple of weeks later and they're like, hey, uh, look at this German surfer. Do you want to take him to the ISA Juniors? And they're like, what? Like, of course. And I was just suddenly like a couple of weeks later, I was going to Peru for my first uh, ISA World Junior Championships. And I was, I couldn't believe what was going on. Like, you know, I just want to surf and it all, it all happened so fast. And then slowly that's where it all kind of started. And I was already on the scene and yeah, then spending time in France and yeah, it escalated really fast after that video. <laughs> wow, man. So that's like literally like sort of from that video, then getting going out there, it was then a couple of weeks and then you're already off competing were you, were yeah, you doing were you doing local competitions in in costa rica as well like before yeah. that all started yeah totally i was doing you know the the national contest and since i basically even when i was in the city i went already and did national contests. i was obviously really bad i couldn't surf you know i'd go like a month or two months without surfing and then there was a national contest on the weekend and we would go straight there and you know, try to surf a heat, but I loved it. I just always loved it. I always checked when the dates were. I was like, mom, please take me to this competition. And she's like, yeah, but you haven't practiced. And I was like, I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> now I remember, I remember I was always really embarrassed because I didn't know how to do a duck dive and everybody could. And I was like, oh, you think they're going to take points off if I can't do a duck dive? <laughs> you know, so. They'll be was, watching you paddling out going, you know, like. <laughs> yeah, I'll just throw board or do the, the turtle thing you know <laughs> but yeah at the end yeah at the end it was all good <laughs> um, and where did the fascination with airs come from because you're sort of known as a bit of an, an aerial surfer I mean were, were there kind of surfers that you were looking up to back then in 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 the media and you're thinking yeah you know that's that's what you wanted to focus on yeah, it was, I don't know. I always had this thrive just to, to be in the air. And I think 
all the videos that I watch, I watch uh, mostly Taj Burrow or Jordy Smith, uh, Dane Reynolds a lot. And basically like, the, yeah, the turns were always, they always looked amazing. But when I saw an air, I was always freaking out and I always want to learn how to do an air. So I remember like before my surfs or after my surfs or after school or whenever I had time, all I would do was watch videos basically over and over and over again. And there's this little thing, um, well, this little YouTube videos, it's called trick tips. It was long, long time ago. They did trick tips. I was 14. I, I don't think they do it anymore. And, um, yeah, they would, they would show you how to do an air reverse or they would show you how to do a corrupt flip. So I'd watch Eric Geiselman do the corrupt flip and I would just watch it over and over again. And basically all I had in my mind was airs, you know, I would in Pavonas, I would just like pump down the line for 500 or 700 meters just to do one air. And everybody's like, what are you? doing like you're wasting the whole wave and i was i didn't care i just i just wanted to fly you know so it's always in my blood to to do airs <laughs> and i guess because obviously like with you living there you're like you know you're going to be able to surf the next day or the next week or when the ne whenever the next swell is so it's not like you got that thing going on where oh if i waste this wave i may not get another one for you know for a while you kind of you could just try stuff right yeah, yeah. Basically, I mean, Pavonis, the wave is is so good. You can just literally like, I know you can pump down the line 400 meters. And if you don't make the air, you look back and the next set is coming and you go another 400 meters. Yeah. And then, yeah, and back then or even now, it's still the crowd. There's only crowd when there's swells. If there's no swells, which the wave is still really good, even if it's like, you know, four to six foot there won't be much crowd and it'll be like pumping for us. And yeah, I could just try airs all day long. <laughs> was the first major trip that you did uh, after you got picked up from, from, from Vulcan, uh, was that over to Peru? Was that when you, yeah. when you went? That was, that was my first big trip. I went with my mom and, and my little brother and it was to Peru for the, for the juniors. Exactly. The team was already full because it was so early and basically I don't, I don't know who they took out, but I came in like last minute, you know, they're like, all right, we got this new guy on the team. And everybody looked at me. I like, I was super young. I was the youngest, you know, doing under 16 and under 18. So I took like two spots straight away. <laughs> it was crazy. So, so yeah, it was amazing. You know, Ezekiel Lau was there. Uh, Felipe Toledo won the under 16. So it was, it was pretty crazy, that event. I, I remember I, I made, I think, a couple rounds, but didn't get far. <laughs> How has the experience been over there? I mean, looking back now, it was, it was insane. You know, it was like for the first time I felt like, like, I don't know, like they took me or they're taking my surfing seriously. You know, I was like, well, like I didn't know. I was that good, you know, to, to go to such a big contest because all I wanted to do was surf. I just, I didn't care about contests. I didn't care about anything. It's just like, and there, and then, you know, for the first time I watched the, like the level of surfing that there was, I could watch it live, not only on videos because obviously in Costa Rica, there are really good surfers, but to see the amount of people from different countries surf that good for me in my eyes was just like, whoa. 
what is this, you know? And it, and it kind of just opened my eyes and I told myself, like, I want to, I want to be at that level and I want to be like the big guys for sure. And it, and that contest inspired me big times. Definitely. What, what happened afterwards? Like, did you, did you then go back to Costa Rica? And... Um, yeah, I went back to Costa Rica. And then after that, I had my first trip to France mm-hmm. to the Volcom house. So I, so I got sponsored by Volcom and then, um, I got actually sponsored by Volcom after the, the ISA, sorry. So okay. afterwards got sponsored. Yeah. yeah. It's been so long now. <laughs> and yeah. And then I had my first trip to France and I went to the Volcom house with all the Volcom guys, with the team riders. And I spent my first summer here. So it was, it was really cool. Just hanging out with the with the boys and, and surfing the amazing beach breaks and going also to the pro juniors was the first time I, I tapped into the, into the European pro juniors. And yeah, everybody always looked at me like, Oh, who's this kid? All he does is airs, you know, and I couldn't make heats because I was only doing airs, but I wouldn't really land them because go, coming from Pavona is from such a perfect wave yeah. where I only have one guy that's, you know, that, that surfs good, which was Noah McGonagall. Um, I grew up with him. And then coming into the pro juniors was like, wow, it's, it was really difficult for me to surf beach breaks. Like I had a really, really hard time. But yeah, France was the next stop. And then back home again for, you know, for the remaining time, just surfing. And were you, when you were over in France, were you sort of working on then surfing different types of waves, surfing beach breaks, where it's like not, the most perfect conditions and sort of almost like fine tuning your competition, your, your, your competition surfing and. Yeah. Well, to be honest, I wasn't working on anything. I was, I was still super young. I was 15 or 16 and I was just, you know, I was kind of just like going with the flow. Like it was, it all, but all, it was all so crazy for me. Like I said, you know, suddenly they, I'm going to France alone. My mom was crying like, no, like, are you crazy? Like, you're going to go alone? Like, you got to take me with you. I was like, no, mom, like, I'm going alone. Like, the whole team, Volcom team is there. I can't show up with my mom, <laughs> you know? So it was all very new to me. And, and basically from the age of 16 to the age of 19, 20 for three, four years, I wasn't working on anything. I was just surfing, you know, and... Balcom is a brand which is like that, you know, they're very, they're very down to earth and, and they just love having a good time and, you know, searching for really epic waves and go surf and just show who you are. So for the first time, um, when I was 19 or 20, that's when I was coaching with someone. I had my first coach ever before that it was all me and videos. That's it. Yeah. And where were you, were you going to, was it just to France every summer or were you like, like, did you get a chance to go over to, to Hawaii and sort of do, do seasons over there when you, when you're in, when you're a teenager? Um, With Volcom, I mean, primarily was always France. And then from France, we would search for swells in Mundaka or, or go over to Portugal, you know, like mostly around Europe wherever the waves were the best, but mostly I spent three months just in France, just in Hasegor. That's where they, they kind of wanted me. And then for the winter, I would always go to, I mean, Vulcan would fly me to, to Hawaii to spend um, two to three months there at the Vulcan nice. house. And that, 
dang, like for me, like that was the raddest time ever to go to. When I had my first trip to Hawaii, I was, I was completely freaking out. It was insane. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> How did you find it over there surfing bigger waves and sort of the differences between, between the beach breaks over in France and then Pavones and, and then being out over in Hawaii? Yeah. So I, for the first time when I flew to Hawaii was in February. So it was already like go already had two months. The season, the the season has started for two months. And when I got the news that they were going to fly me into, they're going to fly me to Hawaii. I was just like, Whoa, like I am so not ready for it. You know, I would watch the waves, the videos. And I was like, no, I, I cannot do that. Like I, I was so scared, you know? And then, uh, Thomas, which is a you know really good friend of mine and almost like a father role. Um, he was like, "Don't worry, we're gonna go to the Caribbean side of Costa Rica, which is all which always starts in December, January, and we're gonna train big waves because in the Caribbean side of Costa Rica, there's a wave called Puerto Viejo. I mean, yep. it's a town, Puerto Viejo, and then there's Salsa Brava, there's Isla Vita, and there's a couple ways where you can kind of you know, it's a similarity to, to pipeline, but obviously not pipeline, but it's definitely, you're tapping into the big waves, into the reefs, into like the gnarly open water. And it was would the first time. Would you go to Bocas del Toro as well? Or would you go over to Panama yeah. to, to Bocas? And... Well, the first year that I went to Hawaii, before that for, for training for Hawaii, I didn't go to Bocas. I went the year after. Okay. So the first time, first time was just going to the Caribbean and I only went for two weeks like two weeks straight and yeah the first time was like super scary and then slowly I was just starting to feel it out I don't mean slow actually rapidly because I only had two weeks before going to Hawaii and and yeah and then at least I had a little bit of experience and then I and then I got to Hawaii and I remember um you know getting into the Volcom house, leaving my stuff there was a, it was an afternoon. There was still like three hours of light and straight away the Volcom guys like was like, Hey, like get out there, get your board ready. Waves are firing. I was like, okay. All right. So I opened, I'm, like, I'm going to check the wave first. And I opened the door and I literally saw this huge set. It was pumping, pumping pipeline, like as good as it gets. And I saw this huge set coming in. And I, I literally saw the set and like closed the door and I was like, Oh my God. I was so scared. I was like, there's no way I can make it out of there. And then the guy looked at me and he, it was uh Kaimana. He's like, Hey, get your board, get ready. And I was like, yeah, I, you know, I just got off the plane and he's like, uh-uh, get your stuff ready. Black board, get out there. And I was like, okay. And then I, I thank God there's a channel and I kind of like stayed in the channel for the afternoon and just kind of checked the wave out and grabbed the little one. But yeah, that was my first experience in Hawaii. So, so then, so basically you were kind of splitting your time between doing seasons in Hawaii, in France, back at home in Costa Rica. Where, like, where did the whole sort of the German surf team journey? So after, after the juniors, did it then kind of continue from there? Yeah. I mean, I went to every ISA to the juniors um, until I was 18 then I started doing the, I mean, I always went from the age of 16, I went to the ISA juniors and to the open one. So I was doing um, both of them already. Mm-hmm. But at that time, um, well, Olympics wasn't in the conversation and uh, the German team had 
uh, no funding or no, you know, no support for us. So we had to always pay everything ourselves. And basically we had a coach in there, but you know, a surfer, <laughs> what I mean, a coach, you know, like somebody that knew a little bit more. Yeah. And yeah, I always went to every ISA to the under 16, to the open. And then when Olympics came in the conversation, that's where the whole, it just, my life completely changed. It was a whole different life. Yeah. When was that? Was that about four years ago or? Yeah. So that was when I was 19 turning 20. So four years ago, exactly. And that was crazy. Like I actually got injured before the funding started and you know, they were taking care of my injury. They were fully taking care of me. And then they're like, all right, we have a coach. Uh, we found a coach for you. Actually, Quirin, we were in search of a coach because now we had funding to get a coach, to get a sports psychologist, um, physiotherapy. We had like the structure that they formed for each athlete. So we had a budget um, for boards. We had a, a budget for coaching. We had a budget for traveling, for medical stuff. I mean, you name it, you know, it was, it was everything for Olympics, you know, which was in, in 2020, well now 2021. Um, so they're like, all right, we're in search of a coach. Who are we going to find who can start coaching with Leon? And actually Quirin took a trip to, to South Africa and he found uh, Llewellyn Whitaker, which is at the moment, my coach and the head coach of the national German team. And he's like, Hey, I found this amazing guy. He's really good. He was on the, on the top 100 of the QS and he's a coach in South Africa your energies kind of meet, you should, you should go see him. And I was like, all right, let's, let's do it. You know? And then after my injury, I got uh, fully recovered and I flew to, to South Africa to meet the coach Lou and to do two QS with him, you know? And that's where we just really connected. And, and I spent almost two and a half months in South Africa with him. Nice. Um, was that then your sole focus? You were like, okay, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to try and qualify when, when the games happens. And yeah, I mean, basically like the funding we received from, from the Olympic committee from Germany and the government was a specifically to train, to qualify to the Olympics. So basically they would take QS as training. They didn't care if, if I would win a QS, they didn't care if I would make it on the WCT. They didn't care about any of that, but they would see it as training for Olympics. So their okay. main, main priority, whatever we did, any of it was QS, if it was CT, whatever it had to do, it had to have a reason to qualify for the Olympics. So that was what's so crazy about it. And we didn't understand it at the beginning, but slowly with time, they're like, this is all for Olympics. You know, that's why, that's why we are getting this funding from the, from the Olympic uh, committee. And yeah, basically we started, we started coaching and yeah, he, he had no faith in me and my backside. <laughs> it was super bad, you know? So we, yeah, we worked so much. My, my life completely changed from being the Volcom dude, um, free surfing, doing, I always did contests, but I never took it seriously. Like ever. I mean, obviously I would take it seriously, but I never had someone by my side. It was, I never had a coach. I never had guidance from any sort of, of assets or resources it was just kind of like 
by myself doing a contest with the Volcom team and just having fun, you know. And then my focus, starting to work with Coach Lou, my my focus just changed. You know, he he basically changed my whole my mentality, and we did a full reset and was like, "All right, we're we're gonna qualify for Olympics. This is how contest works. This is what you need to do." And it took a it, it took some time. It took a lot of work, definitely to to qualify for the Olympics. And were you sort of working on everything from like physical preparation, time in the gym, mental sort of training as well? And was it, was it the, the full package? You're kind of looking at everything? Yeah, we, we worked on literally everything, you know, from, from gym training um, to discipline to, you know, working on backside, working on, on your front side, working on carbs, on turns, on small waves, bigger waves testing equipment we basically german style like every little thing we could work on <laughs> all the we details would do it. right like all the details even from wax to fins to you name it you know they wanted us to qualify for the olympics that's that was their main goal yeah. and there was a lot of a lot of work done a lot of hard days you know a lot of days where i wanted to go home or or days where it was so hard to train, you know, like, like, ah, oh, like we've been training for a whole month, like nonstop, but you get kind of tired and they're like, no, you gotta, you gotta keep working. You know, that's what we're here for. I also had a book, um, where I would wrote, I would write all my goals. Um, I would write what it takes to make it to the Olympics, what I have to do. And I would read that every night with my coach before, before going to bed. And also when I would wake up every morning, you know, we'd read the book, all the notes, all the notes I had. Wow. Um, if I would go to a contest or if I would be in a hotel, we would always put notes up, you know, mm -hmm. like kind of our notes on the walls. And that was, you know, the motivation and also a reminder, why are you doing this and why it is so hard, you know? So it's like, that was always my motivation. Like, okay, that's why you're here. You're here to qualify for the Olympics. You're here to qualify for the Olympics. So, so yeah, there was a lot of work put in that many people didn't see or, or yeah. you know, hasn't, but it was crazy. And what was the, like, how were you feeling kind of going into El Salvador and ISA? I mean, did you feel like there was quite a lot of pressure on you and, you know, quite, quite a lot on your shoulders kind of going, going into the event? Yeah, I mean, definitely. There was El Salvador, the qualification was the most insane contest, emotional roller coaster. It was it was, I've never experienced something like that. And, and talking to other athletes that were, uh, that were doing the contest as well, they said exactly the same thing. Like that was the most intense contest ever, you know, even for some CT guys that I talked to there, they're like, wow, it's, it's a marathon, you know? Yeah. And going into the contest, I was, I was actually really, really relaxed, way over to relax. You know, I was like, I've been training for this for five years. Um, I have all my power notes. It's, it all, it, it's all going to happen. Like I didn't, I wasn't worrying. You're like, ah, you know, that's why I'm here. It's, I've been training for this moment. It's, it's going to go my way. There's nothing to be worried about. And I had my sports psychologist with me, which basically he, 
he saved me. He got me through the, through the marathon and I'll kick into that in, in a little bit, but he looked at me and he's like, Leon, you, you are very relaxed. And I was like, yeah, like I'm going to qualify. There's no, it's all good. Like, don't worry, you know? And he's like, okay. So all good. Like the first day it came, I didn't surf. I was in a later heat. So the next day came the second day and I had my first heat and I was going to the heat, super pumped, super relaxed, so much confidence in me. I was actually surprised, you know, because also in 2020 during the, during the pandemic, I had so much time for myself to train, to process my goals, to be with my sports psychologist and the coach. And we had finally like time to focus on the events, you know, it wasn't going from one event straight into qualification or whatever it was. So the first heat started and right when the horn went off, I entered into a panic attack. Like literally I couldn't breathe. I was, I was freaking out. And I was like, Leonardo Fioravanti was with me in that heat. And he looked at me and I remember he gave me the eye, like, are you okay? He didn't say it, but he looked at me and I was just like, <sighs> and I was like, oh my God, like, where's this coming from? You know, like I couldn't breathe. I was stressing out. My muscles were like super tense. And I was the whole heat, like trying to get air, you know, and I, I, I somehow I made the heat and I walked, I got, I got second. I walked out and I went to my sports psychologist, literally almost crying. You know, I was like crying because I was so disappointed in myself that why was I so stressed? Like, you know, and he looked at me and he's like, Hey, reality hit. <laughs> now you're in the contest to qualify and i was like oh my god like this is crazy he's like yeah so basically all that stress and all that pressure i could really push it away for i was really good at pushing it away but it was always in my subconscious yeah you know so right when the horn started when reality kicked in it just all came into me like one blow and after that you know we with a sports psychologist with martin we worked a lot and yeah we we kind of got that stuff sorted <laughs> and then were you kind of working on it sort of heat on heat after that and yeah again and then just getting more relaxed right and kind of being yeah. in the moment and well it's a, it's a 10-day um event because you do you know you arrive prior to the event and then the last in total it's like a 10 days three days before the event we arrive and kind of get sorted and then the event so heat by heat i was getting a lot more comfortable you know definitely um the coach, myself, and the sports psychologist, we were all learning heat by heat, you know, yeah. we were like just stuff. And basically every day I would wake up different, you know, some days I was so excited to, to, you know, to do my heels. Like, I want to get this heat going on and smash everyone. I'm ready. You know, I want to <laughs> qualify. And then other days I would wake up super stressed, super nervous. Like that was most like actually the stress except for that one heat came towards the end of the contest when I was getting really close to the qualification. So my sports psychologist, we would always, we would have to adapt on how I was feeling, you know? So for that to happen, for, for him to be able to work, I would really have to trust him and, you know, tell him exactly what I was feeling. I cannot go to my coach and be like, Hey Lou, I don't know what's going on, but I am so nervous. I, I don't know. I can't make, I don't know if I can make the heat. He'll be like, what the hell? Like, dude, get your stuff together. Get like crazy. Get, 
what are you doing? You know, you know, and obviously the sports psychologist, he reacts different, you know, he'll be like, Hey, you know, we would go into my room, close the curtains and just start breathing. Basically we'd breathe and breathe and breathe. And the secret was to get your mind into a complete blank space. Like there's no goals. There is no Olympics. There's no ISA surfing games. There's no pressure. There's no stress. Literally like go blank, like white walls. The secret is always white walls. You in a white room, nothing going on. And then we would breathe that in. We would breathe that energy. And I would receive, I would get so much energy from that because I had nothing going in my mind or out. You know, it's just blank. And at the end, before my heat, you know, all he would say was just let instincts take over. You, you know how to surf a contest. You've been training for five years. It's nothing new. Just go surf. And then obviously would make a game plan with the coach and, and it all all come together at the end. And how was that feeling when Fernando, the, the president of ISA, when he told you the result and he, he told you that, that you, would, you were going to be going to the games, how, how was that? Yeah, that was actually, that was a crazy day leading into that day, the day before. Um, so we knew that the next day was going to be the day to either qualify or not. You know, the decision was going to be that day. And prior, there was so many um, there were so many ways to qualify. Like if you make, I was already into the rapid charge and I was like, if this guy comes out and you go in, but this guy loses, you only have to make one heat. If not, you get best third. So there were so many scenarios where I could, where I would only make one heat, two or three. And I was doing all the scenarios. And then I asked my team, I was like, guys, please help me out. I need to know what I have to do to qualify, you know? And they're like, no, no, like, just surf, just surf. And I was like, guys, I need to know if I need to make a heat, two heats, three heats, four heats, or all the way to the final, like, please. And they did not want to help me out. They're like, no, you just got to surf. Like, don't think about that. And then actually talk, talk to one of my teammates, Marlon Lipkin. I was like, Marlon, come help me out. So we did the math and then everyone kind of joined, you know, like, okay, so what's happened? What's going to happen? And they're like, all right, if you, if this guy loses, you make one heat, you're in. And I was like, okay, that's not too bad. Let's go, you know? So the next day came and fast forwarding into the heat. Um, I made that heat and I was just freaking out. You know, it was such a hard heat. And I was like, oh my God, I think I'm in, you know, I had to make one heat. So then I come out the water and everybody's like freaking out. Like, yeah, Leon, you did it. I was like, am I in, am I in? And they're like, ah, no. You have to make one more heat because oh this, this it and, you know, they're also cost, you can qualify through t- 2019, but I was like, Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, good. One more heat, one more heat. And every heat was a final, you know, I felt I won like <laughs> us's or something. <laughs> it was crazy. So then I make that next heat and I'm like, Oh my God, I did it. You know, like no way. And I come out and everyone's freaking out the team. And they're like, and they're like, did I get it? Am I in? They're like, no, you have to make one more because of this and that. And I was, and I was like, no way. And I was so pissed because I know how hard it was to make those heats, you know? So I make the next heat and Vasco Rivera comes up to me and he's like, dude, 
you made it. Congratulations. You know? And I was like, Oh, thank you. But it wasn't real. I was like, Oh yeah, I probably have to do one more heat. So I come to the, to the team. I walk out of the water and everyone's crying. Like Leon, you're in the Olympics. And I was like, no, I was super pissed. I was happy. I made the heat, but I was super pissed. I was like, no, probably it's one more heat. You guys are going to tell me that's another heat or, or somebody's going to tell me it's one more heat. And I was super pissed. And then I saw, I was walking towards the, um, towards the beach marshal to give my rash card. And then there was a Spanish team like cheering, like you made it, you made it. And I was like, ah, oh, thank you. But I didn't, if it wasn't in a paper written, I didn't believe it anymore. You know? Yeah. So then I, I'm about to give my rashi and I see Fernando walking up to me with his eyes wide open and his arms like this, you know, and I'm like, Oh my God, I think it's real now. You know, and then my eyes started glowing and he's like, Leon, he comes up to me. He's like, guess where you're going to be in 45 days. I was like, I don't know, but just say it, you know? <laughs> and he's like, you're, you're going to be in Tokyo. We're going to be eating sushi together. You're the first to qualify in El Salvador you're an Olympian. Congratulations. And I looked at my team and then I just, I just, I just broke down. I started crying. Like, I don't know. It's so much emotional, like laughing, crying. It was insane. That feeling, it, it was so surreal. Like I couldn't believe it happened, you know, after so much hard work, four years for this moment, you know, all the work we put in and it was the best feeling. It, it is the best feeling in the world for sure. How are you feeling now that you've had a bit of time to let it sink in and now kind of preparing for going over there? How, how are you feeling? Yeah, um, definitely. After El Salvador, I, they flew me straight into Germany because um, obviously the, the TV wanted um, an interview, you know, then the magazines, the newspapers, the radios, it was, it was insane. So right after, right after the day I qualified the next day, I flew straight into Germany because they all wanted a part of it, like straight away, you know, like we gotta, we gotta get Leon over there now. And I spent one week in Germany from city to city to city. Just, just doing press it. and going back to back with interviews. It and was stuff, right? at 12 at night. And then seven in the morning, the next day, I was in a hotel straight away, like the biggest uh, newspaper, oh Frankfurt. You know, I was like, and I had a whole schedule. Like, all right, Frankfurt uh, magazine at seven, then this one at 10, the next one at three. <laughs> and it was crazy. It was nuts. And then suddenly, like, you're, you finish the day. You're so tired. I was still super jet lagged. And, of course, I had a crazy party with everyone. <laughs> in El Salvador when I qualified right so I was not feeling so good and jet lagged and just like one week on the road you know we'd go from Frankfurt to Berlin to Dusseldorf to Köln. I was like doing a whole trip with the train or with the car whatever it was so that was I loved it you know it was the first time I I experienced that you know and but it was tiring, definitely. You know, the last day I was so happy it was over. We didn't have a single proper meal. Like I didn't sit once at a restaurant. It was always like they were bringing me food or we'd grab food really quick because we had to go into the next press conference or whatever it was. Yeah. And then um, I flew to France and I literally for three days, I just slept. Like I was completely destroyed. 
Uh, I was super happy, of course, but um, yeah, I was I was really tired, definitely from all the press conferences and interviews, and and now I'm I'm slowly like recuperated, you know, getting a lot better, and yeah, now now the training starts, but I'm still super happy. I mean, I haven't been on such a high for so long, you know. Usually, like if I win a QS or something, like you're stoked for three days, like woo, but then you're on to the next one. Yeah. This qualification has been two weeks of me waking up and just going like, Oh my God, I'm, I'm in the Olympics, you know, <laughs> well, so good. The high, it's definitely there. You know, I'm still smiling from ear to ear. <laughs> and, and how are you feeling about competing over there and being in the Olympics? Yeah. At, at the moment, I mean, I have no idea how it's going to be, you know, I mean, I've only watched, um, on the TV or, or, past videos but i'm really excited to see because i've been following a, an instagram it's called um team deutschland which is the mm -hmm. official um, instagram of the olympic um athletes or team we call it team germany and you see everyone all the athletes preparing from so many different sports and you kind of see what they're doing yeah and it's so cool it, you know and it, and it looks so big and, and i just can't believe i'm like part of this experience, you know? So I, and I remember seeing athletes that I saw a couple of years ago, like, whoa, this guy is amazing. And then I, I know in like in a week or two, I'm going to see him at the Olympics, you know? So it's, or be there with them and also competing. So it's crazy. It's, I feel amazing for sure. It's going to be an amazing experience, man. You just got to soak it all in and just try and enjoy yeah. it. And not like not put, obviously you're going to have pressure, but not put too much pressure on yourself and just, yeah. Yeah exactly <laughs> it's be cool and what's the best way for people to follow what you're up to and, and follow your journey yeah um at the moment i'm definitely like on instagram i'm trying to show as much as i can for you know for all my followers and all the people that support me um i just basically instagram right now is at the moment like all my stories i try to to show as much as i can you know yeah. so so also a part of it and they they see the the experience because i definitely didn't do this alone you know there was a lot of love and support behind me for for this moment so for me giving back i try to for them to be part of it too so it's it's the way <laughs> nice man leon it's been amazing talking to you dude really appreciate your time and it's great to to hear your journey coming from over in Costa Rica and then now being an Olympian, a soon-to-be Olympian for, for, for the German surf team. And, yeah, we wish you all the, the best of luck over there and we'll definitely be keeping an eye out. And, yeah, I hope it goes well. Perfect. Thank you guys so much for having me. <laughs> Thanks, man.